Meister Eckhart, the German theologian and mystic, said that silence is a language that is infinitely deeper, more far-reaching, more understanding, more compassionate, and more eternal than any other language. He wasn't speaking of ordinary silence. He was speaking of a deeper kind of silence, a real inner stillness, one more easily accessed when we allow ourselves periods of solitude, and one that has the power to offer us counsels and comforts we never hear in the hurry and turmoil of life, as the writer Amelia Barr put it. Some people are naturally drawn to solitude, while others avoid it. Concerns about loneliness or the notion of being alone with one's thoughts feels daunting. I used to feel this way. That was, until I went on my first silent meditation retreat in my early 20s. But that retreat changed everything for me. And now, periodic retreats are an important part of my ongoing spiritual practice when I'm able to fit them in. And it was on one of these retreats, a solo retreat, that I met with Sister Julia, who's the subject of this episode. I became curious to know more about Sister Julia's life and story and how she came to be where she is today. So I asked her if she'd be willing to sit down with me to have a recorded conversation. What follows here is that conversation. I grew up in southern Illinois on a farm. I'm the oldest of nine children. Eighth grade, I entered the Franciscan Sisters Our Lady of Perpetual Help High School in St. Louis, which was a boarding school for people that were interested in religious life, and then entered the community. Next year, I will be celebrating 50 years as a religious. Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) At the beginning, I taught. I'm a mathematics major, so I was very analytical, and that's what I taught most of my teaching career. All my friends were going into theology degrees and things like that. And I said, there's no way I'm going to get into theology or spirituality. I'm sticking with the mathematics, you know, the science and that kind of stuff. So when I was in Louisiana, after getting a master's degree in mathematics, I went to a priest for spiritual direction. And it was very helpful for me because there was a lot of things going on in my life. And so spiritual direction really helped. What about it was helpful? I began to feel very comfortable with sharing uh, with this uh, priest then. It was okay to start going deeper and peeling back the layers and start looking at just things that within my personality may have been carried over from childhood or even adolescence or things like that, that always kind of like needled me or, you know, like you hear Paul say in scripture, the thorn in your side, so to speak. I didn't have any big blatant problems, but there were things that I just didn't like sometimes the way I would behave or approach things or whatever. And so it was just beginning to look at those more deeply, uh, more intimately, and look at what was the, the cause, what's the source, what's what do I need to give up or what do I need to change within me to be a better Christian person or a better person all around. And as she reflected on how beneficial it was for her, she began to see how a gap existed in the world. You know, there were some real significant moments when I just felt like 
yes, other people need to experience or have it available to them. At that point in time, there weren't very many spiritual directors, especially lay or religious. It was mostly just priests who did spiritual direction. So I had spiritual direction available to me. I had a good spiritual director, and and I thought, other people don't have that opportunity. So I really wanted to help or allow other people to have that opportunity that was missing to most of the lay people in the world because there weren't spiritual directors around. So she began contemplating the idea of becoming a spiritual director herself, but she kept these thoughts to herself. And then a messenger showed up in her life. When I got to St. Louis, after being in Louisiana eight years and I was teaching in St. Louis, I joined the parish council at the parish that I was at. And one of the members of the parish council was a deacon. And so one day after a meeting, he said, I'd like to talk to you. And I said, okay. And he said, well, I've been watching you for the last few meetings. And he said, I was wondering if you would be my spiritual director. And I said, but I'm not a trained spiritual director. And he says, but there's something in you that I recognize that you have the ability to be able to listen with the kind of spirituality and thought and connection that I think is a good spiritual director. How did you feel hearing that? Well, it was a little bit scary because I thought, how in the world, I mean, can I really do this? I'm an introvert by nature, and to be talking to someone on an intimate level takes a lot of energy and a lot of connection for me to do that. So, you know, when he said, well, I'd like you to be my spiritual director, I'm thinking, oh, my God, can I do this? I mean, you know, it, it was already kind of in the back of my mind that I wanted to do it, but I had never talked to him about spiritual direction. I had never talked to him about thinking about it. And all of a sudden to hear him say, would you be my spiritual director? And eventually a second person had asked me. That was just an eye-opening affirmation that, you know, maybe this is correct. You know, this is what God is asking me to do and be right now. And it was like a total 180 for me, you know. I found myself asking our superiors if I could get a degree in Christian spirituality with this emphasis on spiritual direction. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm curious, the priest that you met with for spiritual direction was such an influence for you. What about him made him such a good spiritual director? Yeah, I think two qualities were there. Number one, non-judgmental. There wasn't a, a thing that said, well, yeah, you're really bad because you get angry about this situation or things that are not necessarily need to be angry about or whatever. Or whatever I was sharing with him, it wasn't being judged. It was just being accepted. And that sense of the unconditional love and really seeing him as almost God sitting there. You know, I could see that the spirit was working through him in order to help me to begin to look at myself more deeply rather than just skirting issues and staying on the surface and whatever. It was that sense of being unconditionally loved and accepted and not judged. You have the answers within you, and and spiritual direction just helps you to hone in on what's already inside, the wisdom, the love, the care, whatever you may need to work through 
whatever you're working through. So Sister Julia enrolled in summer school at Creighton University. After getting her degree, she headed back to St. Louis, where her religious community was based, and honored their request to serve as formation director for the young women entering, which meant that she'd be journeying with them for the next six years. So it was after that that she first set out to find a position as a spiritual director. Her search led her to a retreat center in Bird Island, Minnesota. So it was a real getting back in touch with my rural roots there because it was a small farming community. That was a real plus for me. I really loved it, getting back in touch with my rural roots. I gardened. I helped the cook with the food preparations at times when they were, when we had a bigger group. She did a lot of canning and a lot of homemade baking. And so I got back in touch with all of that stuff that I never had time to before or never just took the interest in. So, Sister Julia spent three years in her role of spiritual director on the staff at that rural community's retreat center before taking over as a co-director of the center. But within a few months, the retreat center was closed down by the bishop, which meant that Sister Julia needed to find another job. So she began looking for jobs, and she saw a posting in a Catholic magazine for a spiritual director position at Christ in the Wilderness. I sent off my resume. After I got back from Christmas, I called them and said, you know, where are you in your search for a director? And I packed my stuff up in a U-Haul and headed to St. Louis, which is where my community is. Just left my U-Haul packed because I said, well, if I get the job, I'm not going to unload it here and reload it. So I drove up to Chicago from St. Louis, interviewed, and they called me on the 12th and offered me the position and started May 1st, 20 and a half years ago. So it was meant to be, I guess. It was meant to be. Over the past two decades, Sister Julia has worn a lot of different hats. Everything from managing the day-to-day operations of the place, to fundraising, to doing the books, to using her passion for baking to raise additional funds through an online farmer's market. But spiritual direction, the work that originally led her down this path and to this retreat center, Sister Julia tells me she doesn't do as much of it these days. A lot of retreatants come here and just want to be in the quiet. I mean, the people that come here, their spiritualities are just mind-blowing. Sometimes I think, well, you don't need to be here see me. I need to see you, you know, <laughs> type thing. Because the people that come here far and wide are spiritual people. I mean, it's not like they're coming here trying to find spirituality. They're coming here with their spirituality. And they're sometimes refocusing on it, sometimes dealing with an event. A lot of people come here grieving, so they need time just to be, to focus on their feelings, things like that. Other people come here having gotten caught up in the whirlwind of living and maybe have lost touch with their spirituality and they want to spend some time just delving deeper into it and reconnecting with it so they can go back out in the world and and be the person that they thought they were be so people come here with a lot of different experiences but by and large people are deeply spiritual that come here and so sometimes they have a lot to teach me what are your hopes for the future of this retreat center Definitely just that it sustains itself all all into the future. 
eventually, you know, maybe it would be helpful to have a fourth hermitage, but I would hope that if we could build a fourth hermitage, eventually it would be universally accessible. Anyone with walking or mobility issues, or if they're in a wheelchair, they're not really accessible. None of the hermitages. That would be one of my biggest goals. But I have a feeling that's way, way down the line, if ever. Because, you know, to really be sustainable, we'd have to charge a whole lot more per night. And then you lose people because they can't afford it. Uh, One of the goals that Sister Lorraine Mark had when she built this place was to build a place that would be open to people much easier to access than flying to Colorado, which is where she did her her sabbatical. So people can't afford, number one, the time off to spend a day flying to get there. And then if you want to spend three nights and then fly back. So you're looking at five days just to do a three-day retreat, maybe. Where here, people can get here within two, three hours. They can spend however much time they got and can afford and get back. And so we really try to keep it affordable for everyone. And we still do have people who, because of jobs or financial situations, ask for scholarship funds at times, which we try to provide. What was it, do you think, that ultimately drew you here? I stopped by here and uh, drove in to see it. When I drove down the lane, I just felt like this is where my being should be. My spirit, my life, you know, like this is where I'm going to sit down roots and live and whatever. I said, this feels like home, God. If this is where I'm supposed to be, then this is it'll work out. It was kind of like the same decision when I decided to be a spiritual director. It was like it was something deeper than just surface. It wasn't that it was just comfortable, but it was like, this is what I'm called to do. It was a calling or a sense that, yes, this is what God wants me to be or do. So it was that sense of responding to a inner urge and inner concept of being. What's your favorite part of being here and the work you do? Just meeting all the different people. I had an elderly couple. They were probably in their 70s when they first came here. Their son had died suddenly of a heart attack. And they needed to come out here just to deal with that grief. And when they got out of the car, they said the first thing they saw was a cardinal. And for them, that meant their son was here with them. And so they said it was very healing. So for the next four or five years, they came out every year. One woman came after her mother had died. She just was dealing with that deep grief and sadness. And she came in and she was talking to me and uh, it just clicked. And she just said, I needed that word from you just to know that I was not alone. It was just really deeply touching for her and for me to have that. And, you know, it's those kinds of connections that, you know, people find what they need out here. And I don't have anything to do with that. It's the Spirit, God, them being open to whatever gifts and graces this place holds for them. 
Thank you so much for listening. If you're interested in learning more about Sister Julia's work or the Christ in the Wilderness Retreat Center itself, which is located in northwestern Illinois in the city of Stockton, you can find more information at citwretreat.com.